Go ahead. Okay, friends, my name is Heidi Mitro, and welcome to my beautiful husband, Michael Mitro, who is always drinking a shake. Um, there's always some kind of magic bullet um, happening with strawberries and coconut water. So thank you for being willing to have this conversation with me. Um, thank I'm you nervous. for like, doing it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's okay to be nervous, right? Like, I think that means that you're, there's a, what are they, it's a growth edge, right? Like you're stepping into something different, something outside of your comfort zone. And I know we talk a lot about that and, but that's how, you know, things are shifting. And I'm Mike, I'm Heidi's husband. And, Welcome. um, I'm, I'm grateful to be in a position to be having this conversation and to share our experience and just as to reinforce that, you know, that we're not coming from this, from a perspective that, oh, we have all the answers and we know this is what you should be doing. We're coming at this from the perspective that this is what our experiences is, experiences have been and this is what we're doing. Well, it looks like you froze there, babe. So we're going to wait for him to get reconnected here, but really the the intention behind us sharing is to be um right. you froze there a little bit babe so um our intention with sharing this information is to contribute to a conversation that is is happening and we are fully acknowledging <laughs> the fact that this is messy and this is challenging and this is hot and triggered and um, yesterday we had some pretty unbelievable conversations with our kids and earlier this week I shared with this community that our oldest son who is 11 um, he and I watched a sermon from a pastor uh, who's a black woman and she was sharing some incredible details of her life and her history of coming from a family um, who were slaves and sharing her lineage and sharing her perspective as a black woman in America. And Noah had a lot of questions and a lot of grief and a lot of fear. And he also learned how George Floyd died. And Mike and I tend to err on the side of being really conservative with what our kids are exposed to, the amount of technology they have access to. Um, although I'm sure they're probably on tablets or something right now as we're doing this live. So, oh, they're not. No, um, I told me, no. That, okay. <laughs> Um, anyway. But we are, we're recognizing that the way that we have been raising our kids, while it has been very intentional, it's also been incredibly privileged that we get to decide what they see and how they interpret the world through our filtered lens. And full disclosure, in our family, race has been talked about. Actually, race hasn't been talked about. Skin color, I think, has been talked about, right? Like we mm -hmm. haven't, um, we celebrate that. They say like, my papa is brown and they, I, I interview them every year for, <laughs> for <laughs> Father's Day. And when they're super small, I'm saying, what's the best thing about papa? And they say stuff like, I just love his skin and his brown skin. And um, we have celebrated it. And what we're recognizing, obviously, based on the times is that we have sheltered them now um, and we are the ones that are going to have to break their hearts to bring them into this conversation. And yesterday, um, we shared with our younger two, so our kids are 11, 10, and 7, we shared um, the details of George Floyd's death. And we told them how he died. Um, and we explained more about the protests. They have been seeing us in action. They have been probably exposed to more news now than they ever have in their entire life and yesterday they got a history lesson they got an economics lesson they got a social justice lesson um and they got a really um personal lesson about what it means to be of mixed race and pass for white and mike i know yesterday the conversation i think happened pretty organically like we didn't sit down and go okay, kids, like we were all sitting on couches watching some of the protesting that was happening. But I'm curious, like, first, what you want to add to what I'm saying, but also um, 
what was poignant for you yesterday? I think, um, I think the most poignant thing that in our exchange with them yesterday was the realization of the fact that we actually were doing them a disservice by not having shared this kind of, you know, this conversation with them, um, feeling like we were protecting them from something when in actuality we were just um, delaying the inevitable. And I think in an environment that's safe and nurturing to have open and honest discussions like that is a lot easier for them to process because I, a, they feel safe with us. Mm -hmm. B, I'm fairly certain they, they know that they can ask us anything. Yeah. And, and they, and they do. And they do. Those are, that's a whole nother topic. Yeah. We'll talk about how do you talk to your kids about sex maybe another time, but that is like, (laughs) yeah, we've had some, some pretty, Oh God, I'm blushing already, but it's, it, it matters to be on it. Like we have committed to them that we will tell you. I, I don't want the them truth. to find out about this or sex from anyone else, you know? So I think it's, it's important. It's incumbent and it is uncomfortable, but it is necessary to have those conversations with them. So that is so the realization that the idea that I was protecting them from something and I want them to maintain their innocence and I don't want them to know what the world is really like until they're ready is it, it, it sets them up for um, troubling times, I guess, is the best. And it's, a, it's an expression of, of truly our privilege. It is mm-hmm. to get to yes, decide yes. when this happens um, mm-hmm. that that realization of like, until all babies feel this safe, mm-hmm. until all babies grow up feeling this safe, like our kiddos, I don't know about how they're feeling today. And that is why we will continue the conversation today because conversations about tough topics are not, it's not like the talk. People talk about Mm -hmm. that all the time when it comes to sex. Like, have you had the talk with your kids yet? I'm like, it's talks, it's It's conversation. And it, it was conversation yesterday. This was not us bestowing information, although that it began that way. But I think, I I don't know that I have ever been as heartbroken. Yeah. As I was. And that is how I. As I was yesterday. Yeah. And that's how I equate what happened with them too, is we had to break their hearts a little bit yesterday in order to have them fully grasp the, the, severity of what is happening around us we can't pretend that it's not happening because if at some point if they don't hear it from us they're going to hear it from someone else and i would rather be the the messenger um about and that is that's the the piece of like we have to be willing to have really tough conversations especially with those people that we love Mm -hmm. um be willing to break your kids' hearts, to break them open. Um, and by our actions, I think they also feel empowered Yeah. by watching what we're doing, like videos like this or the food donation or the um, protesting or, you know, for you to be calling on the chief of police in our town and our representatives in our town and our leaders within this area to say, I'm inviting you into this uncomfortable conversation because I really care about you and I know you care about me. And now we, now we're going to talk about it. It is. I'm like sweating. <laughs> I'm like, oh God. You want me to bring this? You want me to bring the ceiling fan out? Oh my God. Yes. And. I'm comfortable in here. <sighs> Screw you. <laughs> yeah, I'm up in the studio. There's, I'm just hot because I'm hot. And I, I said to Mike, like, before I came out, I'm like, I haven't been this nervous since going on stage, like, 20-something years ago. Like, I'm, like, and yeah. I care enough about. <sighs> just, can you talk? I have to ground. 
I can't get there. Okay. I mean, I, I, one of the things that, that has, one of the topics that has come up has been the, what's on our bookshelves, you know, as far as books for the kids, you know, even down to that level of something seemingly insignificant makes all the difference in the world. Um, and I took a picture of the books that are on our bookshelves and I'm not that proud of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, but it's also representative of our continuum where there are kids of color. There are kids from, you know, around the globe. We have books about curly hair for Ivy. One of the favorite books that our kids have is like babies from around global babies, I think, or babies. I was just going to, I was just going to mention that movie that we watched oh, the documentary. Yeah. It's like all three of them. We're enamored with these babies in, from are in the world. love with the babies in this movie. I know. So if you have it, and it's it is a really touching. Where did we, was it on Netflix? Not, I think it was on Netflix. We'll have to uh, look for it, but we'll put yeah. It's it not a, enough to have like Moana as your diversity, right? Like while that's important, you know, and Disney, you know, is whatever they're doing, but mm -hmm. I still we have touched broadly and made made skin color not a I don't want to say a non-issue but it's not they're not thinking about it on the forefront as something that they should be thinking about it's just kind of taken for granted in our house that you are black and I am white mm -hmm. but it's not they're they're the first time that something really hit was when Noah learned about our oldest when he learned about Martin Luther King I'll never forget this because he came home and he said mama they killed him and he looked like Papa. And I was not prepared. And it was the, his first recognition in kindergarten that something was up. And so while we have been invited into the conversation based on what our kids are learning at school, we have now, it, we have decided that we are the teachers for sure now. Like the curriculum at our house just took a mad twist. And that's not fair, it's deepened it's expanded, it's broadened. Social justice as a family value, activism as a family value. Activism because we're activated, not activism out of like, fuck everybody, but activism as in, we are activated. This is now on us. It's a sense of ownership. It's a sense of like, I'm, for me personally, oh, I'm late <laughs> and I'm here now. Um, let me get to work. And part of the work is not, is doing things like this, but part of the work is having these conversations with our kids yesterday, where I held our seven-year-old who was weeping. Like I've never, I didn't, I made some comment. It was at the end of our conversation about like, there are people that are worried about like the color of our kid's skin. And she took it so deeply in and was like, I didn't even notice she was crying until I felt her sh like shudder mm -hmm. and she was weeping of like, why is anybody worrying about the color of my skin? And she was looking at her skin almost as a suspect for the first time. And I will never, <laughs> I will never forget that ever. Yeah. It, um, I'm curious what they're going to say today totally. now, that, now, now that they've, now that they've kind of slept on it. And, um, and the, the other thing that we've talked about is the, the role that you play when you, when you have that social justice mentality as a value is you don't get to walk away then when you see something you say something like mm -hmm. um we've i'm scared for that though i gotta be honest with you mike i'm scared about that i know but i am i think it, i think i have to acknowledge that like mm -hmm. if our kids are hearing racist jokes and they see that and they say something i'm i am afraid yeah. And I had a 
beautiful call with a client yesterday and she was talking about like the cost benefit analysis of how people are conducting their lives right now. Um, but I am afraid for them and welcome to the world, Heidi, is kind of what it feels like. How many mamas have been afraid for their baby since day one? How many people of color, how many times have you been afraid for your life in our town? How many times have you been out for a run and shared your location with me? How many times have you been trailed by a truck? How about the Confederate flag that drove by our house yesterday? What about you feeling watched at the grocery store in our town? What about the comments to our faces, mm -hmm. right? We don't talk about that because it's fucking uncomfortable and it's scary, but I feel like we have invited our kids into scary and I don't like how that feels and it's too important to not, right? If you can't have the conversation, but you demand change, God, there's a disconnect. And connection is one of our primary values. I hate that right now. <laughs> I hate, I die. Uh, oh God. We're lucky that we can actually define that though. I feel like there's a, mm. there's freedom in knowing where you stand. Yeah. And freedom is such a value of ours that, but it's not enough unless we are all feeling that. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if I can get through it around our middle son yesterday. Can you share please. Okay. So the conversation was on the topic of slavery and, um, the slave trade and the conditions that, that human beings were subject to at the whim of another human being. And this is where it gets uncomfortable because then uh, to for them to have to have the level of the conditions conveyed to them it's heartbreaking but it happened and it informs other people's opinions or um ideas about the value of another human being to this day and that is never going to be okay and so we needed them to know the extent to which people, the lengths that people would go to subjugate their fellow human being. And I mean, I don't want to, anyway, I do want to, you know, um, highlight the impactful nature of this conversation. And then our middle son was sitting there. Can, can I have a caveat? Yeah. Just, they have heard of slavery. Right, like yeah. broad brush and explaining how these families were taken. Again, I'm holding our youngest to a seven, weeping, saying, I don't want anybody to come and take me. Oh my God, Mike, I'll never. Oh, like, that's the shit. That is the. She was looking at her skin color, wondering if someone would come and take her. She's seven, and these babies were taken. And this was not, this was hundreds of years. This is, I, okay, I can't. Please go. Well, he's sitting there, and when he gets upset, and you can tell he's going to cry, he gets these, his eyes you know, the cartoon puppy dog guy. Yeah. I mean, it, he, that happens. That's his, the physical manifestation of his sadness. And I think you asked him what he was feeling. And he said, I'm feeling, did he say, I'm feeling ashamed or He's I don't identify. I'm not proud of passing yeah. for white. Yeah. Yeah. I did not know he was going to say that. Like, I felt like I had anticipated everything that could have come and I could not have anticipated anything that happened yesterday with that conversation. <laughs> I was, you don't, you, you don't prepare. Oh, it looks like you froze again, sweetie. You don't okay. prepare for 
you can't prepare for the reaction, which is why, like, I think you and I have felt fortified over the last week. You keep freezing, baby. Um, I think you and I have, have been having these conversations and we have been fortifying our own house. And so to have this conversation was an extension of what we've been doing. It wasn't like an isolated incident. But if you have not been talking to your kids about race, if you have not been talking to them about racism, it is important to do your work first. And the, the phrase that has been coming forward a lot from people who are reaching out, and I, there's so much language that's clarifying. I had another sweet friend from days gone by, like race adjacent cred. <laughs> she's like, <laughs> she's also married to, um, she's in a mixed race marriage. And she's like, do we get, like, we don't get race adjacent cred around this. And I, I need to say that. I'm experiencing this as a white woman in a mixed family. But if you have not been talking about this, it's important um, that this is not a one-time thing. This isn't a one-time conversation. This is, you know, as there's a lot of memes out there today, this is a marathon, not a sprint. And people are asking me, Heidi, how do I be age appropriate when I'm talking about race and racism? And I don't know how to answer that because I don't, I don't know about appropriateness. I, that's a tough word. I'm curious what your thoughts are on appropriate. I don't know. I, I, I don't. I don't I think there's a, ever been just, a more appropriate time. Right. <laughs> I, I just had a conversation this morning with Mimi about this and how and Mimi is effort, a, a fellow community business owner yeah. leader she is where we are having you know donations dropped for this food drive she's an unbelievable human being yes we love Mimi we love you Mimi um but I said uh, the conversation was like if you t if you try to remove subject matter in an effort to make it digestible or sanitized for younger consumption you're taking out part that like the meat of the story you're missing the whole point then and so it, i think this is where you have to do your own work first yep yeah like yeah. instead of trying to make it appropriate for them i really do think it's about educating yourself and fortify your own home meaning yourself first right of like I'm not an expert in this and this is what we're doing. And this is the, I think we teach our kids by being human. Mm -hmm. I think there is, we don't, I don't well, I think we have this in our house where it's like, we're the parents and we dominate. Like that isn't the thing. It's like mm -hmm. contribution is a family value. And so Respect. while yes, we're the, we're the yeah. leaders, mm -hmm. we're creating co-leaders. That really is the, the model in our house. Like all of our kids feel real comfortable <laughs> to share their opinions. Yeah. And there are times there are, where it's like, <laughs> there are times where I be in charge, you know, like where it's, yeah. it's not about. <laughs> and she, she's the coolest head. Like in our well, family, it is like, if you, whoever has their shit together, the most leads, whoever mm -hmm. is the most um, aligned, whoever is the coolest, the calmest is the leader. And we are the leaders of our family, but we're also the leaders of ourselves as individuals. And our desire is to create co-leaders so that when they're out in the world, they're looking around going, how do I lead? And sometimes leaders are listening and sometimes leaders are reading and sometimes they're having conversations behind closed doors. And sometimes they're on the front lines getting tear gassed in the face. And sometimes they are in powers or positions of power in our political arena. And right now, not a whole lot, right? I want them to look around and go, what's my, what is my role as a leader? Where can I plug in my, my, gifts. my gifts, my, my, my expertise, whatever the thing, my, that is a, I mean, that is in, in, in situations like this, it becomes very obvious. At least it's been my experience, what people's, skill sets are 
myself included, were mm. like, as as you're organizing, you mean? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I haven't had. I have. It just. It's an unprecedented, unprecedented um, unfolding. I think. I'm curious with the the conversation that we had with our kids yesterday, mm-hmm. and and you are leading by example, and you are a you are a quiet leader. Is how I experience you. Where it's like, I'm going to do the work. And I've asked you if you feel like you have to do that because being black can be a liability. And I also think that it is just a part of who you are. I think it is your nature to be quiet, (laughs) not quiet, but an observer until you have something to say. Mm -hmm. Is that fair? Yeah. And with our kids, Obviously, we're in a unique position because you can speak to your experience as a black man. And I think that will be the next part of our conversation is how being black has affected you. And I've had a couple of people ask me, like, why I call you brown. And part of that re- reason really was Ivy, I think, led that. <laughs> she, she's our youngest. She calls you brown. And we had that conversation. Let's just talk about that, where I was like, is it wrong that I'm calling you brown? Should I be calling you black? Um, and so you and I are having those messy conversations. You and I are, it is new next level. It's deeper. It's broader. It's more expansive. Our comfort zone is being expanded right now. Holy God in heaven. But talking to our kids about that stuff too, where it's like, we do not have all the answers and our, our discomfort is the way home. Being uncomfortable and showing up. Oh, yeah, the way home. I'll be right back. Oh, someone's knocking. I'm just crying. Oh, honey. Okay. <laughs> we now pause our regularly scheduled program because Mike needs to parent said children. So something that um, Mike and I have been talking about within the context of how do we encourage other people to talk to their kids about race is that we don't come at it from a place of being an expert, that we come at it from a place of being a participant in our communities. We come at it as, I'm gonna mute this. I think there's dogs barking too. Um, We come at it from a a place of, well, curiosity is a family value of ours. And if you are looking for the very first place to start when it comes to talking about your kids with anything, you gotta know what your values are. And this is something that Mike and I both teach as coaches, but knowing what your values are is the only place to start. So we literally in our house have like the giant post-its. I love giant post-its. I love markers. I love to have, like it's all over my studio, but we have our values posted in our kitchen. And now social justice has been added to the family value. We've got everybody. Okay. Hello. Everybody. Okay. Yep. I'm talking about, if they need a very first step to take um, mm-hmm. when it comes to talking to your kids about race, I'm talking about no matter what the very first place to start is to know your values because right now that is our touchstone. And we do this when it comes to like talking about passing for white, which might be the most controversial thing that I think we have ever brought forward to them. Right. Like it, it, for me personally, that was a, um, Uh, heart-wrenching, heartbreaking conversation, or if you're talking about unloading the dishwasher, it all comes back to our values. If we have a value of family and connection, your contribution to keeping our home tidy and clean is, is in alignment with our values. When they're looking now to see peace, which was there before, but social justice and activism now as family values, what does that mean? That means we have a sustainable action plan in our house, but that has started with you and I, and it isn't okay for us to put the onus of, of this on our kids if we haven't done our own stuff. Absolutely. And age appropriate is, that I think is for sex and money, <laughs> age appropriateness, right? Like how much yeah. they can comprehend. When it comes to race, I think we can talk in simple terms as they're growing again from a massive place of privilege. And now we talk to them as a whole, but even last night I talked to each of the boys individually 
And I checked in with Ivy this morning, cuddling on the couch. Like we, we will have the collective and the individual conversations continually, but that's based on yours and my individual work because it is and you and I coming together. Yeah. And I just, I, I, I keep going back to the whole idea of not talking about it at all. And it just, it's not an option. No. And I think about how long that has been happening and it makes me, you know, wonder how much of that has contributed to people's opinions about it now, people's Mm. um, interactions with it now. Um, How can I ask you an awkward question and I'm nervous to ask it? Then you should ask it. (laughs) By the way, that's a a technique that we use in our house. Like I got to talk to you about something that's making me feel uncomfortable and I'm, is that okay? Sometimes that's a good lead in just as a little tool tip. And, 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 Oh, as a tool for decision making in your world also like if there's something that you are nervous about or afraid to do right yeah then, then that's that me that's an indication that you should do it i had that experience today for instance but go ahead ask your i hate that part though dude mm-hmm. anyway what has it been like for you as a black man in a white town to have the recognition maybe it doesn't matter that we're in a white town but i think that this plays into it because you and i have talked about moving to a more diverse place right mm-hmm. what is it like for you as a black man to come to the recognition that your mixed kids have been protected oh it um i'm i don't know i'm processing that i guess <laughs> but I mean, I'm not. Dude, I'm so hot right now. Oh, God. It's it's 90 degrees out, right? No, it's not. It's 100 <laughs> degrees in my body. I get right. hot when I get hot, but I'm okay. I, this is- I don't know. I feel like I'm not sure how I, how I've processed that, and, and I, I I think because I'm processing it as white shame. Responsibility to change the conversation and and expose and exposure. Um, I feel a lot of um, commitment to being part of the the process of change and the solution. In order to do that, uh, I need to start in my own house, right? I think that's I, I think that's a a good rule of thumb for everyone. Hmm. Start in your so, own house, meaning your yeah. own self. Yeah. And then your partner. Yep. And or, then your family. And yeah. And I, I think. It. Yeah. The ripple effect, it applies in so many um, scenarios and situations. Um, and, and it's and such, it's, that's like such one of those buzzwords and it's got a lot of, it feels really trite, but it's really true. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been <laughs> uncomfortable more in my adult life in the last year, just with things that I'm learning and, you know, shifting careers and whatever, but. I feel like I have a, a, a tolerance for change that I haven't had before. There's a stamina that is being developed. I don't, I don't love that. <laughs> but, and uh, stamina is such a good word, especially for right now, because people are going to need to have it. Um, yes. Because this shit isn't going anywhere. Right. And I know that in past instances, you know, there's an uptick of outrage and then, uh, you know, within a couple of weeks or maybe a month or whatever. Or 24 hours. Or Let's 24 hours. Yeah. Five minutes on the 24-hour um, news cycle. Stuff, it, it starts to calm down. People get back to normal. And our normal has not been normal for, you know, forever. But mm. Normal meaning level, healthy. And, but the level of involvement outside of the continent of the of north america or even outside of the 50 you know united states States, mm -hmm. people i think people are pissed people are upset and 
Yeah, I think I think stamina is going to be required to withstand the amount of uncomfortable conversations that are going to have to be had repeatedly in order for things to change. That is no longer, and it never was, but you know, but it's no longer acceptable to not have um, some sort of a position to stand on. I know, dude. And. It's, it'll be relationship changing, I think. And I think that for me is where the, our family values come back into play. Mm-hmm. What are we aligned with? What are we committed to? What, what is the expression of the Metro crew? Mm-hmm. How are we going to show up so that we're in alignment with those values? And like my, my values for my business are hanging here. And one of my values is sustainability. Mm-hmm. And so many women, white women are reaching out to me about like, how do I talk to my kids? What books have you guys read? Which made me realize like, I have some work to do. What, what are you recommending in terms of having age appropriate conversations? And also I, I feel exposed. I, I feel like I am late. I feel like I want to do something and I don't want to post on social right now because I'm nervous. And that discomfort. And so I'm saying to them, like, what's your long game? If you're just posting a a repost of, you know, a nice quote and, you know, blackout and whatever, but you're not planning to take long-term action, then just wait. (laughs) But I think people are waiting to feel confident. And this is a, a, something I want to address, whether it's talking to your kids or posting or going to a protest or organizing in your community, the confidence is not going to come first. I talk about this in the coaching world all the time. Like the confidence will come through aligned action. So people are asking me right now, like, aren't you nervous to be posting? I'm like, hell yeah, I am. I, I, I like being liked. (laughs) I am her. I like to be liked. And when I take aligned action, whether you like me or not is going to be secondary tertiary because I like me. I have taken only aligned action. And when I say aligned, I mean that is guided for me by an inner calling. And I don't answer to anybody else for that. I, I, I don't, I'm not going to apologize about any of that. Taking aligned action makes it possible for me to take action and then I get confidence from action. Confidence won't come first. Comfort legit isn't going to come first. But people know, and because connection is one of our values, people know when you're in it to prove it or they know if you're in it and you're going, oh God, I'm trying to do the right thing. Yeah. How are you guided right now? What's your metric? And do you feel confident right now? I do. Mm. Um, Did you, when we were on our stomping walk where, and then we stopped talking no. for those of you that don't know that go back and watch the other video. <laughs> no, I didn't. Uh, no, I wasn't confident because I didn't know what I was going to do then, you know? Mm. So I'm a systems person. What happened then? (laughs) So we had our stompy walk where we couldn't agree on what the next steps were. You didn't feel confident. When did you, when did it switch for you? What, what happened that, that brought confidence? I had a conversation with Jen and I was able to kind of burrow into what my, what, what needed to be done and take a step back and, um, reprioritize my actions so that they would be effective and not just a reaction. Uh, so, so response versus reaction. Yeah. Yep. I think especially within the context of kids that demonstrating taking action because you, you've taken aligned action the whole time. Is that fair to say? Mm-hmm. Even though it's been uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so before you talk to your kids about race and racism, I'm going to encourage you to not worry about being comfortable, not worry about getting it right and be human with them 
and then set the, set the stage that you're going to learn with them. And that in this house, we are prioritizing uncomfortable conversations. We are prioritizing connection. We are prioritizing sustainability and health and wellness. And um, that in and of itself is, it's just, it smacks of privilege. And okay, what are you going to do with your privilege? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. I think that was one of the hardest parts about the conversation with the kids yesterday. And I watched our middle son in particular wrestle with this because he feels black and white, but the world is going to look at him as white. And I, I watched him have that inner battle of what does that mean? And um, I asked him permission before we came on live. I said, are you okay if I talk about what happened for you yesterday? And it was an immediate yes. We, that's what we do in our house, mama. Oh God, man, that's what we do in our house. And last night at bedtime, you know how you wait for those like moments where someone is going to tell you a good job and you think like, if only my kids got it, if only my kids knew how much I sacrificed for them, if only they knew how good they had it and you know, on and on and on. Last night at bedtime, I said to Theo, like, you know that you are made up of love first and foremost. Like mama and papa love each other. We are best friends. We have done the painful work <laughs> of friendship and having uncomfortable conversations. And you come from that. You are black and you are white and your skin color is beautiful. And I, I want you to know that. And he said, I do. And then, and then the parent unicorn dream happened i want you to know the unicorn is real he goes mom i want you to know you're doing a really good job and then he goes and i'm not just saying that to be encouraging i really mean it oh my god i i have not fully processed the swing and pendulum but i believe that he felt like he could say that because we told him the truth yeah he doesn't know the phrase blow smoke up your ass. I may have taught him that last night. So if you hear it, <laughs> like the whole, like, I'm not just like, anyway, so sorry, but he, he knows that now, mm -hmm. but he wasn't just trying to be encouraging. I think he knew that we risked something yesterday. It and was quiet you, for a long time after that, during that interchange, that, in, that exchange with him on the couch, like the we all just kind of, yeah, we all just kind of sat there processing i think processing what had just happened because i think it caught everyone off guard myself included yeah because we didn't plan it no. but i also think that we we had made enough deposits in the bank to make a withdrawal at that point i just wasn't expecting that you know like and i don't think yeah. yeah i mean i was i was floored punched in the heart is what it felt yeah. like yep. and handle that shit, right? Like we can handle that. I didn't die. No. George Floyd did. Mm -hmm. Ahmaud Aubrey did. Like we, your uncomfortable feelings, Krista talked about this on Facebook today. I hope it's okay to call you out, Krista. She's like, your feelings won't kill you. Silence will, right? Like inaction will. Mm -hmm. And it probably won't kill me right? But I worry that it would kill you. That's real. And we will have that layer of conversation with our kids. I don't know that they've connected the dots all the way. I did, tell, I, I, I did tell Noah about you wanting him to run with me when he's older. Like when he's... <laughs> and what did he say? I think he felt like... Share the story for context. I don't remember the whole story, um, but it was... Uh, you're going to have to. I feel yeah. better when you are not running alone. Yeah. And I, I feel better when you run with white clients. <laughs> I do. I know. I hear you. I, 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 and I would feel scared for Noah to run with you too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we could go off on a tangent and I, I think this is enough for right yeah, now. Yeah, now's not time, but yeah. What, um, 
we're going to have more conversations, by the way, friends. This is our messy preliminary dip the toe in, rip the Band-Aid off, holy shit, go. Any final thoughts about talking to kids about what is going on? Absolutely. We have a a duty and a responsibility now to change the narrative going forward. And we have a huge opportunity because it's those kids are going to be the one that that next generation who are impacted by these incidents and these, these protests and, and the change that will be the product of this, of this, this time in history. And if we are actually going to, to make lasting, sustainable change in our culture of racism and oppression and systemic racism, and then the conversations have to be had with the people who will be the next, um, the next uh, group to hold powerful offices. Mm-hmm. Or be, be affected by the decisions of those who right. hold those powerful offices. Mm-hmm. And, and we want, I, I, I want for my children and I want for your children to be able to look at their neighbor or look at their coworker or look at as a police officer, look at the guy riding the bike down the street as my neighbor or my, my friend or anything other than than human, right? Because if you feel so strongly about the value of someone's life based on the way they look, that you can dehumanize them to the point where you can take their life then we've then we've all failed i think what i heard you say how that landed for me was we i was trained through culture to be suspicious of black men Mm -hmm. it was okay for me to watch you in sports buy your music but if you came into wasika i was to be suspicious Mm -hmm. i think you have identified me as curious and I'm going to own like <laughs> the multiple definitions of what curious means. I, I might be a little peculiar. I'll own some of that as well. But what if we were able to trade suspicion for curiosity right now? Mm-hmm. What if we were able to trade bias for humility? What if we were able to trade silence for discomfort? And I don't like having uncomfortable conversations, especially with people that I love the most. And those are the ones that we get to do it with first. Mm -hmm. So stay tuned, friends. We will be sharing more, mostly because we can't help it right now. (laughs) Like it's just a, please know that as you're reaching out, like we will get back to you as soon as we can. There's, it's, it's a lot of, of really, People aren't just like, hey, how are you? It's paragraphs and text messages. And it's a, we, we have overwhelmingly felt supported. And let's make sure that we all feel that way, right? Not just you and I, because people know us, but make sure that the black man in your neighborhood feels it, right? And takes it for granted. Isn't that what we're going for? That we just, we get to just live, right? I don't know that that will happen in our lifetime, but I'll be damned if I'm not going to contribute to that. Right. Yeah. Thank you for watching. We have not been able to see your comments, but we will. You do have full permission to share this. Um, Again, we are not experts in race or social justice, but what we have learned in our own family is that sharing stories from a place of alignment, from a place of vulnerability. Yes. But, Yes, but also this feels like a responsibility. I was just going to say it's more responsibility than vulnerability. I, my feelings, again, be damned. Like I, it, it's too important not to step outside the zone of comfort. and Expand it, yeah. And that's so. sharing stories. Ha, you know, it, it's multi, 
there's a multifaceted um, benefit, you know, because it's reaffirming and confirming that, you know, you, you hearing it out loud from yourself confirms your your story, your existence, um, your experience. Mm-hmm. It validate. There's a level of validation, but not only that, it also is received by someone, and it will and it have teaches. an impact. And it will teach. Um, it won't land with everyone, and that's not the point. The point is that if it resonates with one person, mm-hmm. that's what matters. And that is the highlight of connection. And connection breeds trust. Mm-hmm. And that those are not always feel good emotions but we are here for more than just distraction and consumption and feeling good we are you and i i think are here to change the the world and that starts in our home oh you just i mean i could just um i will just i just want to say one more thing about that too like we can we have a range of emotions that we have access to as human beings and we try our hardest to avoid them mm-hmm. and that's also problematic like we talk about and I, you may have alluded to this in one of your, you know, one of the stories that you were telling, but we encourage to feel it all the way, all the way through. Oh, the, I hate that. <laughs> because it, 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 I mean, we, it's, don't worry, be happy. I don't know. That's bullshit. Well, and even, even with our seven-year-old yesterday, she's weeping in my arms about like, why is anybody even looking at the color of my skin? She eventually was done crying. And do you remember this? And I was yeah. like, baby, what are, what are you thinking? And she's like, nothing. <laughs> like yeah. we went from this, oh my God, to she, <laughs> she wept. And we she, just kept saying, oh honey, mama and papa are here. We are here. Feel this all the way through. And then she got to the point where she was like, nothing. Like, and, I'm, and I'm done. And I'm done. It was done. I anticipate that that will come again. But um, it's okay it, to be mad. It's okay to be sad. Those are... All of your feelings are legit. Every, they're all valid. Yeah. How you, like we, destruction's not okay. <laughs> in, in our home right now, right? Like we can talk about protesting in that another time. But in our home, you get to feel it all the way through. Being emotionally current is a, a value. So, okay. I think, I think we should. Let's wrap it up. We'll put a comma on it. Yeah. Um, Thank you for those of you that shared this prior. I started to get nervous because people started sharing it. So I'm happy that I, we can't see anybody's comments yet, but we really genuinely do appreciate you joining. We hope that this gives you some talking points. First and foremost, the anatomy of a tough conversation is to have the tough conversation with yourself first and then with the people in your world. Um, so hopefully this was helpful. Stay tuned. Um, babe, to hold on to a sec, I'll disconnect. So thank you, friends, and uh, we will see you very, very soon.